podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Thanks for choosing this free Anfield Index podcast. If you'd prefer to listen to this or any of our other shows without adverts, then now's the time to check out Anfield Index Pro. With AI Pro, you can supercharge your entire listening experience. You'll not only get all of our podcasts without the ads, but you'll have them far faster with our quick publish feature available exclusively for subscribers. AI Pro also puts you in the heart of our sound studio with an option to listen to many of our shows live and interact with the podcasters in real time as the shows are recording. Upgrading couldn't be easier. AI Pro is available on all popular podcast platforms and we have our own apps for Apple and Android. Just head on over to AnfieldIndexPro.com and get started today. Hello and welcome to the Daily Red, your lunchtime catch-up on all things Liverpool FC. On a Monday after Liverpool lost the Champions League final to Real Madrid, a 1-0 defeat in Paris for the Reds against what are now the 14-time champions of Europe. Uh, There can be no mistaking the fact that Liverpool didn't play well enough. However, we were still the better team on the night and nothing will dissuade me from my belief that that is the worst Real Madrid team I've ever seen win a European Cup and that they are one of the worst teams to win a European Cup. Now, I know they've got the big glorious names, but Modric was garbage. Cruz was garbage. Garbage. Uh, Ferland Mendy, I didn't think, played well. Benzema was a non-event. Vinicius scored, but did nothing else. Valverde ran a lot, but other than his involvement in the goal, offered so little on the ball. Their big performers were at the other end. Casemiro was excellent. Alaba played well. Militao played well. Danny Carvial had the game of his life. But the most telling thing is that their goalkeeper was man of the match. And he was man of the match by a country mile. He made two sensational saves among a total of nine saves. The save from Mane in the first half and from Salah in the second half were world-class, absolutely world-class. But we were the better team. We dominated the game. But we were lacking something from midfield. We were lacking a creative goal threat from midfield that game-breaker type. And Thiago, even with the injury, had a good game, kept things moving. I thought Fabinho was excellent. But they needed help in that midfield. They needed somebody who could take hold of the game, be a goal threat, be a creative force, and they just didn't get it. They didn't get it. Salah had an iffy game, some really good moments, some poor moments. Mane the same. Diaz had one of his probably worst performances in a Liverpool shirt, but I think you've got to take into account the fact that every time he got the ball, there was two and three Real Madrid players on top of him. He was fouled endlessly, didn't get a free kick. Was fouled by Militao at one point and a free kick was given against him. The referee was appalling. Said that on Raw. I think it's one of the worst performances I've seen from an official in a big game. At any point, it was just shocking how bad he was. They obviously had the goal disallowed at the end of the first half. That caused a bit of controversy, but the rules are the rules. Benzema was offside. That would have set the narrative up that if we'd won the game, 
people would have had that to point at and cry about. But be under no illusion. Everything else, everything else for the rest of the game went their way. How not one of their players got booked, I don't know. How it was that Vinicius wasn't booked for either the tackle where he kicked Fabinho up in the air or the blatant dive a few minutes later, I don't know. There was the incident with Nabi Keita and the throw-in where the referee decided he couldn't take a quick throw-in. What was that about? There's also footage that shows that their goal probably shouldn't have counted. Valverde's cross hits Benzema, clips his foot before it goes to Vinicius, and Benzema was offside. And when it touched Benzema, Vinicius was offside. But look, it is what it is. We lost. The game is over. Season's over. We end up with two trophies. They're not the two we wanted, but they're they're two that are nice to have. You'll have the fans of other clubs mocking us for whatever reason to get over with their sad little lives. What I'd say to City fans is that you've never played in a real Champions League final. You played in that bubble thing last year with 15,000 fans in the stadium. Never played in a real Champions League final. And you lost the only one you were in. You lost last year's final. So, hush. Uh, Chelsea fans, we beat you in two cups. Hush. United fans, you had the worst season in your Premier League era. You won nothing. You've won nothing for five years. If next season you win the two domestic cups, you'll praise Ten Hag to the moon. If you had the season we had this year, it would be the best season you've had by a country mile since Ferguson left. If you merely won the two cups we won, it would be the second best season you've had since Ferguson left. Uh, For Arsenal fans, well, that's a better haul of trophies than you've had since, oh, 2004. So hush. And for Spurs fans, you're completely irrelevant. So shut up. No one cares what you've got to say. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm still gutted. I'm, I'm annoyed. But to be honest, I'm no, no longer annoyed about the game other than the referee. What I'm annoyed about, what I'm angry about is the way the fans were treated and the narratives that the French have tried to spin since. The lies that are coming from the French government and not just from sources within the French government, from the mouths of ministers. Their Minister of the Interior came out with some of the most flagrant lies you'll ever hear today when he tried to claim that 40,000 people with fake tickets tried to make their way in. Well, a couple of things, a couple of things on that. If that were true, then you would have had at least, at least a total of 120,000 people trying to get into the stadium. And considering 80,000 were in the stadium, you'd have had 40,000 locked outside. So does it seem likely that there were 40,000 people locked outside, considering when journalists went out and camera crews went out and filmed during the first half, there were maybe a couple of hundred people outside at most, 
some of whom, by the way, were match-going fans with real tickets who weren't allowed in. So the 40,000 number is clearly a lie. Uh, Secondly, if there are 40,000 tickets, prove it. Show us the 40,000 fake tickets that you confiscated. Show us them. Because it's nonsense. If there were 40,000 Liverpool fans at the game with fake tickets, there'd have been no one left in the fan park except that the fan park was packed for the game. So all of that is a lie. There were people there with fake tickets. There's no question. But it was a small number. You know, a thousand, maybe two thousand, but not 40,000. The majority of the people there with fake tickets, the majority of people trying to sneak in without tickets were French. They were locals. And they were there to cause trouble. They were there to steal. They were there to mug people and pick their pockets. And there's some real horror stories come out about how people were attacked, mugged. Thankfully, nobody has been badly hurt. And it appears like everybody got home. We have recorded uh, an old school this morning. It's a different type of old school, though. Uh, Myself and Gags were joined by Jay from Scouser Tommy's and Tom James, who all three of them were at the game. And we just went through what they experienced. All of them had slightly different experiences. Gags got to the stadium quite early, so he was able to get in. But he's talked to a lot of people who had got caught up in the bottlenecks. Tom was caught up in the bottlenecks, as was Jay. So we talked to them, got their stories. It's important that we get the truth out there, that the French are not allowed to spin this narrative. Now, thankfully enough, the major media outlets that were at the game have all covered this well. All the journalists who were there in different guises, they've all come out and said what happened, and all of them tell one story. And you see, the thing is that the fans who were there and the journalists who were there, they're all telling the same story. The only ones telling a different story are the French authorities. Because even Real Madrid fans are telling similar stories. Now, there's a lot of stories coming from them. They didn't have the issues getting in because their fan park, which was much smaller than ours, was beside the stadium. Ours was to the side of the city because ours was massive. They were able to get in easier, but they still encountered very aggressive police. They encountered pickpockets. They encountered false tickets in the hands of French individuals. So it's important that we collate all of these stories and we put out the real story of what happened in Paris on Saturday night. And we don't allow the French to wash their hands of it. We don't allow them to pretend it wasn't their fault. This was the fault of the French authorities. It was the fault of the French police. It was the fault of those who own and operate the Stade de France. And it was the fault of UEFA. And it's very important that those facts 
are kept in line and that we don't allow the attention-seeking, point-scoring dickheads who weren't at the game, your Arsenal fans, your United fans, etc., etc., who want to spin that Liverpool fans were to blame here, that Liverpool fans behaved themselves in a manner which was unsuitable for such a game, because that's not the case. It's not the case. There are a couple of videos of people climbing the fences. If you look at them carefully, you'll see that in most cases, they have tickets in their hands. They're climbing the fences because they're being crushed up against the fences. And they're climbing to get out of danger. Now, are there a couple who climb the fence just to jib in? Yeah, of course there is. That happens at every football ground. Every football ground. But for the French and the French interior minister to come out and say, oh, this only happens in football and with certain English clubs, trying to narrow it down that this is a problem of English hooliganism. Well, buddy, let me draw your attention to what happened in St. Etienne on Sunday. Let me draw your attention to what happened in not one, but two Marseille games this season that had to be suspended. Let me draw your attention to the history of French hooliganism. Let me draw your attention to the fact that your police officers walk around holding automatic weapons with fucking cannons strapped to their hips, dressed like G.I. Joe. Let me draw your attention to the fact that your police officers walked up to innocent Liverpool fans who were doing absolutely nothing other than taking their tickets out to scan them and pepper sprayed them. And let me draw your attention to the fact that those Liverpool fans who were pepper sprayed then reported that they were pickpocketed, that they were mugged, that hands went in their pockets, hands went all over them. It seems to me and to others that there was quite the concerted effort and a coordinated effort between certain members of the French police and these French individuals who snuck in to the crowd to aid and abet the pickpocketers. And we know that you raided houses on the Sunday and found people who had stolen substantial amounts, wallets and phones. We know that that happened. So how is it that by Sunday morning, you already had that information? Likely because it came from your officers, because some of your officers were involved in that theft, were involved in that crime. Now, we won't hear about it over here, but I would bet there are French officers who worked at that game who have since been fired or are facing this disciplinary. Because it's not a coincidence that random people got pepper sprayed and were then mugged when they couldn't see. That's not a coincidence. And some of the videos, some of the stories that have come out are horrifying. Horrifying. And some of the people who experienced the bottlenecks who were also at Hillsborough have made eye-opening comparisons. And you would hope 
that lessons will be learned from this. But having been to the Stade de France multiple times, it's not a good place to go. It's not a good experience, no matter what you're going for. It's so badly organized. It's in a certain part of the city. It's out in the middle of nowhere. So it's a pain in the hole to get to. And it's always, always a mission. And you're always aware that somebody's lurking around you, wanting to dip their hand in your pocket, wanting to nick your phone out of your hand, wanting to take your wallet. This was not industrial level fraud. That's bullshit. This was a systematic failure at an epic level by the French authorities, the French police, and UEFA. And they have a case to answer on this. And Liverpool can't let this lie. Liverpool can't just let them pawn off these excuses and place the blame on Liverpool fans because Liverpool fans aren't to blame here. Liverpool fans went to Paris to go to a Champions League final, a celebration of football, the biggest game in the sport. Getting to live the dream, go and see your team in a European Cup final. There's nothing better. And it turned into a nightmare. And I'd ask you all to listen to the old school that came out today and listen to what Tom said about how he felt after getting through it all. And listen to Jay. And go on social media and read what people who were at the game are saying. 50 and 60-year-old men who've been going the game since the 70s who've been everywhere with the Reds, who've been to all the finals, saying they won't go to another one. That's not what football's about. If you drive the fans away, as we found out for two years, football without without fans is a bag of shit. It's awful. It's sterile. It'd be like watching Man City play every single day for the rest of your life. Just dull, emotionless, joyless football. But can we take the time to mention that City had a parade for winning the league? No one cared and about 15,000 people turned up. The Reds had a parade yesterday. I have to say, I, I, I thought it was a bad idea. But it wasn't. It was an incredible idea. Half a million people lining the streets of Liverpool. The scenes were unbelievable. The lift it gave the players was amazing. And all of the players have come out and said, this, we needed this. This was the lift we needed. So, delighted. Delighted. It's been a great season. It didn't end the way we wanted, obviously. But look, when they try and mock us about quadruple talk, just remember it's because they've never been able to have that conversation. Their club, 
never got this close. Never. Most of them never will. Uh, congrats to ex-Liverpool coach Steve Cooper. He took Nottingham Forest into the Premier League over the weekend. Forest winning the playoff final and will be back in the top flight for the first time since 1999. Great to see two-time European Cup winners themselves. So delighted to have them back up. It's also a nice little rivalry and yet another club that can sing to the fans of Arsenal and City and Spurs. Champions of Europe, you'll never sing that. It's a wonderful thing. It is a wonderful thing. Uh, we did get some more bad news over the weekend, and that was that Sadio Mane has informed the club that he wants to leave, that uh, his time at Liverpool is over and he wants to go elsewhere. It's, it's fair, and it's probably the right time. It is probably the right time for Sadio to go. We've had his best years. He's clearly declined from what he was a couple of years ago. He's had a really good season. The idea that we'd sell him for 30, 35 million seems like a nonsense. Uh, Jimbo reckons about 45 million. I think we'll want more than that. I think we can get more than that. When you see Mane going, or Mane, Hazard going for 120 million at 29 with a year left in his contract. You see Cristiano at 34 going for 100 million with a year left in his contract. Talk that Lewandowski will leave Bayern this summer for 40 plus with a year left at 33. I'm sorry, Sadio Mane is going to be worth 50, 55 million. Um, Bayern have been talked of as having interest. Uh, there's been some mention of Real PSG. So there should be some options out there. What you're going to see, of course, is uh, lots of silly names being linked. Uh, so ignore most of them. Ignore most of them. But there is a couple of different possibilities for us. We could go with an out-and-out out nine, uh, which is something we haven't had in a while. So we could go with Darwin or a Simeon or Isaac or Tammy Abraham. And I put a poll on Twitter yesterday and uh, over half the people who voted, surprisingly enough, voted for Darwin, which I wasn't expecting. Um, I was expecting more along the lines of a, a, an even split. But it is Darwin who got, I think, 52% of the vote. There was about 3,000 votes or so last time I looked. Uh, let me see if I can find this. Uh, actually, there was only 2,200 votes, so I was thinking it was better than it was. Um, I'll just re-up that. Uh, yeah, Darwin with 52%, Osimian with 28 Abraham with 11 Isaac with 8 There's that option. There's the option of a, a non-traditional nine, so an Nkunku, a Joe Felix, uh, Latoura Martinez, somebody of that ilk. There's the option of Mo through the middle and bring in a right winger. Uh, Serge Gnabry, apparently available. Some talk that Leroy Sané might want to leave Bayern as well. So maybe we could do some sort of swap for one of them. Uh, Rafinha would be an option. There's the possibility that we change shape and go 4-2-3-1 again with Mo as the nine. It does look like we're going to miss on Chouameni. 
So maybe we look for a 10 because the other thing we definitely need, and it was so obvious to everybody who watched that game on Sunday, the other thing we need is that creative force in midfield, someone that can be a game breaker for us. So whether they're an attacking eight or a 10, that needs to be addressed. Um, and if we go with, you know, Mo as the nine, a 10 and a right winger, rather than, you know, a direct Sadio replacement and Chuameni, well, you know, it could be that we go for Nkunku as a 10 and someone like Musa Diaby on the right or Gnabry, like mentioned, go Milinkovic Savic as a 10. He can also play as an eight. So gives you that flexibility, Gnabry on the right. Lots of options for the Reds. And you know that if history is anything to go by, we will make the right decision and get the right player in. Uh, I am very curious to see what names crop up. Um, Danny Murphy has said we need to sign Declan Rice and Calvin Phillips because Brexit means Brexit. And Danny wants more English lads in the team, even though they're not as good as the players we have already. Simple as that. They're not as good as the players we have already. Um, yeah, I mean, look, it, it looks like it's going to be a busy summer. It looks like it's going to be a fun summer. So we at least have that to look forward to. Saturday was crap, but the only thing that matters is everybody got home okay. Everybody got home okay. And that's the one thing we can take from the weekend. I will see you tomorrow where hopefully I'm in a better mood. Bye-bye. We hope you enjoyed listening to this Anfield Index show. Please be sure to subscribe to our channel so future podcasts find their way to your device automatically. There's nothing quite like fan engagement. And we'd love to know what you think of anything discussed on this show. The best way to get in touch is over on our free Discord community, where both podcasters and listeners debate the hottest LFC topics 24-7. Sign up free now at anfieldindex.com forward slash discord. You won't regret it. You can also follow us on Twitter at Anfield Index and find us on Facebook by searching for Anfield Index. Oh, and before you go, We'd love it if you could leave us a five-star review on your favourite podcast app. It only takes a couple of seconds, and it means the world to the people who create these free shows. Sports Social Podcast Network.